0: to the Next Best Podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman, 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America and twice Mr. Universe, and Chris Daniels.
1: Time Magazine even named him Person of the Century.
0: Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the Next Best Podcast. Well, Chris, where do we start?
2: There's a lot to chew on. News (laughs) this week. The beacons are wailing here in Seattle. That sound can only mean one thing. They have released the Kraken, or the city council has officially approved a $660 million plan to renovate Key Arena done deal. Uh, and yet, not the celebration of the dancing in the streets we might have expected. So,
3: And boom goes the dynamite. Chris,
2: uh, you actually had a conversation just today, just this morning, this audio If you could touch it, ladies and gentlemen, it would be hot. It's that fresh.
3: It's fresh. No, I I had a chance to talk with Tim Lywicki, who's the head of the Oakview Group, who is signing this deal with the city of Seattle to to build a a new arena at Seattle Center, as well as transportation and and other infrastructure improvements. Uh, and, And we talked about where he goes from here now. Now that he has won what is a political battle in the city of Seattle, what does that mean for the National Hockey League, How does he get everybody on board, too, after, uh, as you know, Chris, uh, an issue that has divided a lot of people in the city over the last 10 years? So we we just talked to him about all of that today.
2: So is this an exclusive for the podcast?
3: Exclusive. A next best podcast exclusive.
2: The sound effect in there. Okay, here's a little bit of your conversation from just this morning.
3: All right, so uh, big announcement today with the mayor.
4: What does this mean as far as you're concerned? Well, again, we were pleased and excited about the council vote, but we understood that the mayor has the final right here, and so it's her signature. And so we respect the fact she's been very diligent and really checked this out thoroughly, Uh, spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people and making sure she had all the facts straight. So we appreciate that she did put a lot of time and energy into this. And to be in a position now where she's comfortable with the deal is another very good step. But for us, this isn't done until she and we sign it together, and that occurs today. As far as where do you go from here, that's the question that everybody wants to know now that you've got a deal
3: with the city. So where do, where do you go from here? I, I think people will be pleased with our progress, so I'm going to leave it at that. The NHL Board of Governors is meeting... In the next couple of days, uh, are you paying any attention to that? Will you go to that?
4: I'm paying a lot of attention to it, but at the end of the day, um, we've done an extremely good job of making sure we never get ahead of commercial commissioners, and I'm not going to start now that we actually have an arena and we're going to build it. And so I'm going to stick to um, commissioners and owners have the right to determine when franchises are created or when franchises move, and so it's up to Gary. As far as the NBA, a lot of people have noticed that in the last couple of days,
3: there's been really no mention of the NBA and the future of the NBA in Seattle. What would you want to say to people who are concerned that that this building will not allow for a
4: Sonics franchise in the future? So so the building, like the other 11 major arenas in the United States and Canada that ultimately house NBA and NHL teams... um, This particular building will, not only from a design standpoint, from a space standpoint, from an economic standpoint, it is built for both the NBA and the NHL. It will meet and beat all standards for both the NBA and the NHL for broadcasting, for uh, seating manifest, for suites, and for our ability to generate revenue. And In fact, we've gone out of our way to design the building such so that there are very specific Uh, Areas of the building, including the club seats. There's 2,200 club seats for hockey and more for basketball. And that was literally designed to make sure we protect the economics of both the NBA and the NHL. If you look at every private arena, and this is a privately financed arena that the public will own. So this is um, very similar to what you see in places like Chicago and the United Center or Denver and the Pepsi Center or Toronto with the Air Canada Center. Uh, In those markets, when you have a private building, both of the teams play in that private building. And this building will be designed economically in line with what those other buildings have been able to create for both the NBA and the NHL. You don't hear about the NBA because they're not expanding. And so that's the reality. It doesn't mean that we have uh, lost interest or we're not focused or we're not talking to the commissioner. But again, we follow his lead, and Adam Silver has made it very clear that right now expansion is not a conversation. When it is, uh, we will be first in line. Do you still feel it's ten years away?
3: I think that's up to the commissioner. As far as uh, David Bonderman is concerned, I think you've given some interviews to allude to the fact that he may also be a
4: potential NBA investor. Well, where, where does an he? Well, NBA investor. Well, in, in Seattle. I mean, yeah. where he, where does he'd he stand swap in? out? And so. We've always made it very clear that we're prepared to be partners in an NBA team, and we have others that have approached us that we are friendly with that have made it very clear they would join us. So we don't have an issue with an ownership group on the NBA if and when a franchise is available. But what we're not gonna do is create unrealistic or false expectations, because then that is a disservice back to the NBA. We will follow Commissioner Silver's lead, and if he tells us at some point in the future there's a team available, we have an ownership group that is prepared to sit down and have that conversation at the appropriate time, but we will wait to be told that. The big thing that
3: a lot of people are going to ask about today is still transportation and how you manage transportation and a transportation mobility plan. The city has done some work on that. How, how soon do you think you can get that together? How, how will you manage traffic getting in and out? I know people have joked around about drones and and all that stuff. But how, how will you manage that going forward?
4: So one, there's there's a new Seattle Department of Transportation report coming out today that looks at both of the sites and very clearly states, ironically, that the key arena site is the better transportation plan and the better site to have an arena. So despite everyone stirring this up, the reality and the facts are that Seattle Center is, from a transportation standpoint... Uh, the site that the Seattle Transportation Authority ultimately advises the reasonable and logical place to build this arena. There's 12 million people to go in and out of Seattle Center each and every year. They've had a capacity of almost 2 million people come and go to Key Arena on an annual basis already. We're not building, we're building a brand new arena, but we're building a brand new arena where you've had an arena there that has hosted 2 million people a year when the Sonics were here. So there is a transportation plan. And 12 years from the day we open, we'll have light rail that will come right next to the arena. And so we have a temporary 12-year gap that we're going to have to fill, and that means we're going to have to work on a daily basis. So transportation is not a magic wand. There is a transportation issue in every major metropolitan area in the United States, including Seattle, and especially Seattle. We understand that we have a lot of work to do on transportation, but it will be a daily effort, not just leading up to the opening of the building, but every day that we have an event in the building. But you'll see major changes coming because of our $40 million commitment towards transportation, including computerized light systems so the traffic lights on mercer are not computerized if you computerize them we are told the flow on mercer will be 40 percent quicker in and out of events we will have a computerized lighting system on mercer by the time we open up this building that's part of what our 40 million dollar commitment has been able to do for the city
3: so last question Uh, you saw it in the city council chambers there's been a lot of arena votes over the years and usually they're packed it wasn't packed for this city council meeting there seems to be an enthusiasm gap at this point because of
4: all the years of talking about arenas how do you close that gap in the weeks and months to come well, look i'm tired of the debate you know this we've been doing this for 2 years now and i'm tired of the debate and i completely understand how the city of seattle and the community feels i think they want tangible results so what they're going to hear starting today is, this is about delivery. So the fun part starts now. We're done with the debate, we're done with the argument, we're done with the politics. Let's get past all of that and come together as a community with one vision in mind. Let's get a world-class arena built that will host the best concerts. So instead of being the 57th concert marketplace in the United States, which is ridiculous, because I think Seattle is one of the best music markets in the country, we'll make this a state-of-the-art arena for music. But more importantly, we're going to go get a team. And the way to go do that is to shut up and get it done. And that's what we're going to do. Enough debate.
2: So that just a portion of your conversation. Uh, again, uh, steaming fresh uh, just this morning uh, as we are recording this on Wednesday the 6th. Obviously a, a tiny bit guarded there. He doesn't want to tip his cap, but you get the feeling some news is coming very, very soon.
3: I I think that one of the takeaways uh, from the conversation with Tim Laiwiki is boy, he's been criticized in this town for kind of being over the top. He's definitely more guarded now. I think uh, now that he knows he's been victorious in this battle, uh, it's about the next step and delivering on those promises. And I think he took a very measured tone there about not getting in front of the NHL. Right. Uh, but a lot of people believe that the NHL is going to react very quickly uh, to what has happened now in Seattle. But Uh, He knows, uh, I think he and his team know, that there is a gap. You heard me say enthusiasm gap, uh, that there wasn't uh, packed council chambers on Monday when this vote came down. A lot of people have fatigue about this issue, whether it be Soto, Key Arena. I mean, we're talking a decade now worth of discussing this. uh, And he knows that, and and that's going to be one of the challenges for them going forward.
2: Like it or not, social media seems to be skewed very heavily towards Soto. It seems that the reaction in general, if you look at just about any thread, any link to your your, your tweets, any mm-hmm. article that went out, uh, for the most part, people seem either upset, disappointed, or convinced that it simply will not work in terms of basketball because people seem to think that... You know, Key Arena is yeah. in the middle of Seattle and the traffic, they can't fix that. How how are they going to address that? So there's been a very weird reaction for this thing that we've been waiting for for so, so long. Finally, uh, something definitive is announced. It will be Key Arena being renovated. I, I can only speak from my own personal point of view and that I am also uh, a very skeptical about whether or not this plan in the end will even include the NBA. Yes, it's possible an NBA team will end up back in Seattle and will play at the key. Uh, but it's also possible that that will never be a part of this plan and that we could flash forward 10 years from now and we'll have a beautiful new key arena with concerts and a hockey team but that's it and is that good enough i th- i feel like that's perhaps why so many people are saying
3: Mm-mm. yeah i mean We're i I, I think celebrate. i i think there is something something to that i mean at council chambers i counted two sonics jerseys hmm. I, I i don't think anybody uh, is is claiming that the NBA is coming anytime soon, right? Uh, and, and for the city of Seattle, and I think where the the city council is coming from on this is, hey, y- you have a developer that's willing to put money into Seattle Center and uh, help rehabilitate that era that area, no matter what, uh, even if there isn't a basketball team. And, and the the situation across town was all about the basketball team. And and to his credit, Chris Hansen tapped into something in this town with the fan base. Back in 2011, 2012, uh, as the everyman who wanted to finally solve the the issues, uh, arena issues, and 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 bring back the Sonics, and I think he he's been very good uh, over time in communicating that and and developing the fan base, buying beers for everybody. Right. Uh, back in in 2012, uh, 2013, and, and so that's why I think you see some of the social media pushback uh, that we see now and we've seen especially over the last 18 months.
2: And again, if people for some twisted reason did not read uh, your article, uh, which I must tip the cap to you, fantastic writing as well uh, on king5.com, go read Chris's article. It breaks down a a bit of the conversation you had ultimately.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, what we attempted to do with this is kind of give the perspective at, at City Hall over the last 18 months. I mean, it became there became this kind of sub-story, side-story, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, about uh, what happened after the vote last year on the street vacation for right. the Soto Arena, and the pushback, and, and Council Member Deborah Juarez doesn't like that word or, or, or blowback, uh, to the female council members. It, it gained national attention, it, it took on a life of its own, the social media stuff, uh, and, and emails that uh, were sent calls to those female council members— Who made that vote. And so I attempted to get into the the background, how the ashes uh, from that vote kind of uh, came alive with Key Arena. How do you go from Soto to Key, uh, especially to a part of town where people said this just can't work? So Deborah Juarez was more than willing to open up her books, show her research, and talk about those threats and how painful that was.
2: And we should uh, mention, as you do in the written version, uh, not safe for work. uh there, yeah. there is some uh, explicit audio, uh, unless maybe I don't know. Maybe you maybe work uh, as a professional wrestler <laughs> uh, or one of those things. Uh, but uh, if there's some little ones, you're listening in the car in the commute right now. Just know that there is uh, some some street talk uh, in this. But here's uh, some of your conversation with Juarez.
1: You know what I want? I want you to just see one of my notebooks that started out dated January fourth on my first draft of the RFP. I want people to see I really want you guys to see the work that we put into this. I don't you know, you see what you see on the diocese theater. What you need to see is the people behind the scenes that really are doing their work. And I mean doing their homework, like reading stuff, highlighting, doing their research, me learning more about the market getting into all the, you know, the, the economics of sports and arenas and reading the ACOM report. I don't, and then, and then to, to do a vote based on that when we got up to Soto, and then being called all those filthy names and being called a dumb bitch. You don't even know, motherfucker, what I've done. Okay, so then that ends, right? Well, then from May up until now, you should see the notebooks I have. And then, I mean, I'll, you can see them all. You can see the last notebook I filled up, including when I do public comment. I write down everybody's name and what they say. Let me tell you what it should have been called. It should have been called a hate crime. From my experience as a public defender and a judge, if a man got on a phone and started calling me up and calling me a cunt, tell me they're going to bend me over, tell me that they know where I live, harassing me online, harassing my children online, having had SBE come to my house, they would have been arrested for a misdemeanor.
3: Did all of that happen?
1: Yes, you know all that happened. The comments that we got were so vile on my Facebook, and um, people got a hold of my cell phone, and texts, and SBE had to look at them. Yes, they were that vile. And they were violent. And they were directed at the women. It wasn't like, hey, we think you made the wrong vote, or hey, we think you're stupid. It was, you're a cunt, you're a whore, you're a dumb bitch, you should have your head cut off, you should put your head in the oven. If I see you on the street, someone should bend you over. I could go on and on. My staff, Tyler took my phone and deleted a bunch of stuff off my Facebook um, that I didn't even know was on, he took it all off for me. Talk radio did nothing. And let's go back to what I was saying earlier. Yes, and you can. I think you're you're really not giving it what it's called. It's not wasn't a backlash. It was violent, and this press, this media um, environment, um, didn't respond in any way, which I'm ashamed of. We were gonna run, We were gonna drive this train. I my job was to keep it on the tracks get everyone involved, get the voices that need to get done. And I know you you tease me about this, but my job was to get shit done. Win, lose, or draw, my job was to see if this MOU got passed, will get passed on Monday, December 4th. If it got passed, great. If it didn't, I could walk away knowing that I did my job.
3: Yeah, so that's just part of the conversation. Uh, Councilmember Juarez and I talked for close to an hour. Yeah. And— and we wanted to allow that language to be heard because I, I, I don't think that people have seen her personality and her passion, uh, especially with this issue. Uh, a lot of people don't know her, and this was this was her signature issue at City Hall. So, uh, you know, I, I talk about in the in the piece, and you heard it there that she likes to use the the f bomb. Uh, to yeah. make a point, yeah. and, uh, and and she jokes about it now at, at speeches. I mean, this is this is her passion. This is her personality, and I think she wanted to let people know that, you know, this was not a rush job. That she did her homework. That she uh, put a lot of effort into this. And you know, for the people that criticize them, it, it's this this irony that, uh, you know, the women who were so criticized 18 months ago are the ones who are delivering a new arena to Seattle, and and that is not lost on anybody at City Hall, especially Deborah Juarez.
2: I think I was a bit off-put by—I should say there's two sides to this. Number one, I think any civilized human would agree with them, that there was no excuse for the anger and the the creepy things people were directing towards the the council after that vote— uh, but I did find it to be a weird strategic or, or tactical error for her to redirect back to Chris Hansen as though he somehow was behind it. There was a, a reference to when all of this was going down, they should have stood up for us. They should have got in front of, which they did ultimately. Yeah. And, and, and remember, Chris Hansen doesn't yeah. live here. He's a very busy businessman in California. He doesn't make all of those billions of dollars by, you know, playing Xbox. He's a busy guy. And so by the time I think that they learned of this swell of icky. They did respond, so I just found it a bit strange that she still points to Chris Hansen and says, it seems as though he's kind of being painted as a villain a little bit, and she even went up further to say, we didn't fail, he did. He didn't didn't bring a team, and I thought, wait a minute, this is crazy. You've done all the research, we all, I think, are now painfully aware that's not how it works now. We know that there had to be an arena deal, then you get the team, and not the other way around, so I I, I didn't like that parting shot, It, it really rubbed me the wrong way.
3: Well, uh, and, and I should stress that the Hanson group did release a statement within 48 hours uh, categorically uh, right. condemning any uh, of that hate speech, any of that language. But I, I think the, the point out of all of that is boy, it really changed the political landscape and made it tough for substantial talks between Hansen and the sure. council members to take place and Within that gap of time, uh, Hanson told Ed, Ed Murray, the then mayor, that he could take one last shot at Key Arena. And there you know, was no movement on the Soto Arena. And that's really kind of where the flowers started rising at Seattle Center, out of the ashes of uh, this th- this hate speech. Um, and, and that's why I think she's talking about right. that. And, and she also stressed, hey, these these things that came in in the last few months, the the Mclemore letter, the idea of subdividing key Arena, you know, they didn't gain much traction because it all came down to whether you have a team, and and the arena in Soto is wouldn't be built unless you have a team. And she said, bottom line, and you you heard it uh, that and read it that he he didn't have a team, and, and that was the thing that was difficult for him to overcome in a, a five year period after the Sacramento Kings. Uh, did not move here.
2: But it seemed like a bit of a silly uh, stalemate situation in that from their side of things, and it was the opposite. It was, well, we're not going to get a team until I have a deal in place and tell them, yep, we're ready to to build this arena. Now let's start talking about a team. And he's also made it clear that he was prepared to build one anyways. I mean, he's come out and said, we're not going to be done here. We own the land. We're not done until the Sonics are back. They're playing on the court and we're sitting courtside. So they've been very transparent in terms of, yes, if you're... if if your interest is the Sonics, come with us. We're going this way and we're going to build it and we're going to bring them back. So you're right. It created this weird emotional divide to where suddenly the Soto group and Hanson's group, uh, at least in, is, from the council standpoint, th- there was there's a weird shroud, a yeah. weird cloud overhanging it, uh, which from my view, through no fault of Chris Hanson, suddenly he was in this unpopular right. side of the debate in terms of emotional reaction and he can't control what the Internet does. So I just found it to be a, a bit strange that he is somehow caught up in what happened, uh, you know, through public reaction.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and I think the story says as well, that through no fault of his own or his group's own, it uh, they were perhaps unfairly colored by all of that. But, boy, it, it really did change the conversation and change the tone and tenor. And, and then when you have these other groups come in who have legitimate uh, credentials and uh, now Tim Laiweke and Oakview with a potential NHL investor, you know, Juarez says, hey, I'm not going to promise a, a team that would be hypocritical of me. But there are a lot of people at City Hall who believe that the NHL is, is coming soon. And, and I think that uh, we're going to find out. Uh, perhaps after we record this, what the NHL yeah. uh, may say. But Bob McKenzie, not to be confused with Strange Brew. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Take off, Lee. We're doing our movie. Don't wreck our show, you hoser. He, he uh, He's a well-respected, long-time National Hockey League writer. Right. Uh, he's called The Insider, one of the insiders on uh, TSN up in Canada. Uh, he has uh, talked about this and, and written about this. This week that the NHL Board of Governors are meeting uh, this week. And while it's not formally on the agenda, while Seattle is not formally on the agenda, he believes that Seattle and this new deal will be discussed in terms of an NHL franchise. And he said, uh, and I, I'm reading from his article that he's posted uh, on the TSN website, uh, he, he says the, the headline is, it's Seattle's time and that he believes what the Board of Governors may do is simply acknowledge publicly that Bonderman, uh, David Bonderman and, and uh, uh, Bruckheimer are the uh, potential owners and waiting uh, and maybe talk about a financial commitment as a show of good faith from them, or two, announce that the NHL fully intends to add a 30-second franchise in the not-too-distant future, Three, open up a formal bidding process for a 30-second franchise. Or four, give Bonderman-Bruckheimer Group league permission to begin boots on the ground testing, research, marketing in Seattle, such as a season ticket drive or something of that nature that would pave the way for an NHL team in Seattle. The benefit of the NHL doing that is it gives them an out. If something falls apart with this arena over the next six to eight, 12 months, But by doing that, they're essentially doing—they would be doing what they did in Las Vegas—and allowing them to back out of a deal in the future. But uh, if if that happened, you know, the the fourth option that Bob McKenzie lays out, I think uh, uh, you'll see this really pick up and more momentum, and that enthusiasm gap kind of uh, close up a little bit here in Seattle with the thought that there will be a team at this new arena. In 2020,
2: get the distinct impression that hockey, NHL hockey, is probably on its way to Seattle sooner than later. Will the NBA follow suit? That's the big question on a lot of fans' minds. Uh, meanwhile, Chris, the last time that the Oakview group got together with the mayor outside of Key Arena, uh, <laughs> it was a strange day. Yeah. Today, a different get together.
3: Yes, the and a different mayor. The a different mayor, uh, Mayor Jenny Durkin, in office for uh, a week. One of uh, probably her her biggest announcements thus far: the the signing. And and you know what's interesting about it is that she just did not want to touch this issue at all during the campaign. In fact, she did an interview with Natalie Brand earlier this week uh, from King 5, where Natalie asked her about it and she still left the door open for Soto uh, or Key Arena. And then after the council vote was made, not long after that, 24 hours after that, she said she would sign this legislation. So this is really the first time that she's weighing in on the subject.
0: From the early days of my campaign, I made it very clear that I was open to any proposal that would bring an NHL team and our Sonics back to Seattle. And that is why I am signing this MOU today. I think we are here. I think we have the path. And I will say, I love hockey. We have the ice rink in the back. But I must admit, I'm not neutral. (laughs) I've been saving this t-shirt for a really long time. And this is an original. It's not one I ran out and bought today, like some people did. (laughs) We also want people to understand, because I've been asked a lot in the last week, there is nothing in this MOU that blocks the path for any other people who want to try to develop an arena. Um, We are all ears on that, but we are moving forward on this because we think it is a good deal for the people of Seattle. We think it is good for Seattle Center and its neighborhoods, and we think it is the best path right now to get us an NHL team and maybe a NBA team... um, and it's not a zero-sum game, so we are looking forward to that as well. On Twitter and Instagram, at Next Best Pod.
2: Chris, I like you. I just don't think it was an incredible vocal performance. That's the point I was trying to make.
0: This is the exclusive ending of the Next Best Podcast. <coughs>